Restoration Church. It is great to be with you today. Um, for those of you new to Restoration Church, um, uh, my name is Nate Gagney, and I'm the lead pastor here. And our services, um, we as a church meet here in, in Dover. We meet online, of course, and then we meet in Plymouth and in Milton. And uh, it's great to be a part of our church. Last week, we were away. I had family all visiting, all got together in rural Maine. And, uh, and went camping there. Actually, I should be specific. My wife and I and our children camped in the rain the entire weekend on this family camping trip. The rest of my family was in a hotel. <laughs> family camping trip. I think someone missed the camping part. So we were in the pouring rain all weekend. At one point, and this is not a joke, I think it was, I don't remember, it was Saturday morning or Sunday morning, I woke up angry because I thought a kid came in my tent and and squirted my face with a squirt gun. No, that was the rain coming through the tent. And anyway, if you guys are always wonder like, oh, 14 years of marriage, not a big deal. Um, No, my wife camped in the tent with me in the rain all weekend for my family. So it's a miracle that we've been married 14 years. It's a great miracle. And if that's not enough, she can tell you about the time we went camping in Virginia, and it was 100 degrees all weekend, and she was six months pregnant. No, she was eight months pregnant. So, I mean, God bless her, all right? Not with a great husband, but, he's, but bless her in other ways, Lord. So you can be praying for her. Another thing I want you to pray about is this week uh, on Wednesday night, um, a, a hope, well, first off, this week, a, a I mean, a dozen or so of our teenagers are going to teen camp uh, in, in Maine, and so you want to be praying for them. Wednesday night, I'm going to be preaching to to the teenagers um, all ar- from all around our district. You can pray for me. What I'd love you to do is take out your phone, because I don't want you to forget. Go to your calendar app or your reminder app, and just seven o'clock on Wednesday night, just put "Pray for Pastor Nate." Pray for the teenagers. Um, we want to pray that God moves in their heart in a dramatic, transformative, and powerful way. We don't just want um, them to come back from camp with, um, you know, having lost their voice, uh, to come back, you know, having made some new friends, having some pretty fun memories. We want them coming back with their lives changed by Jesus. And uh, so if you could be praying for that, for me, I would appreciate that so much. I think there's probably something else I wanted to tell you because, uh, because I wasn't here last week, um, but it's great to be here. Michelle and I and the kids, we went to church last week. Uh, my brother-in-law is a pastor, again, in rural Maine, so we went to church there. And uh, a lot different church culture, a lot different church atmosphere. Um, he's only been there a short time, and I don't want anything I say to be forwarded there. But the church culture there is church, it's for church people. And so play the songs that we like, do the ministries we like, preach sermons we like, and it's not a, there's not a, a, a genuine care and concern for people who don't know Jesus. That's one thing I love about Restoration Church, all right, um, is um, God moves in our, in our life, and we don't ever want to stop that, but... Right now, while we're here on earth, we recognize our primary earthly responsibility is to share Jesus with those who don't know him yet. That is the number one reason why we're here on earth post-salvation. It's to allow other people to know him 
And there's only, you may have heard this said it in church before, if you've been in church for a long time, there's only one thing we bring to eternity with us, and that's souls, that's other people. It's the only thing we bring to heaven with us. You know, your, 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 your fancy clothes, your cars, your homes, your pets, your pets aren't going, sorry. I mean, maybe, <laughs> but you have a hard time proving that in scripture. It's the one thing coming, only one thing. Those are the people that we've led to Jesus. That is our primary earthly responsibility. It's great to be here. I'm glad that you're here. Met, uh, met some people here this morning, here for the first time, here for the second time. Uh, met some people here this morning, no, no real church background. And uh, we're glad that you're here. This is a great place to investigate Jesus, to find out about him. And um, hopefully, prayerfully, to give your life to him and allow him to work in you and to and uh, to start the process, start your life now following him. Well, the song we just sang together, Ain't No Rest for the Wicked, was released in 2008 by the band Cage the Elephant. And talk about the song for a little bit. In this song, there were three interactions and, uh, that the songwriter had. He had. The first was interaction with a prostitute, second with a drug dealer, and the third was uh, talking about an interaction with, uh, with a preacher who was embezzling money. Now, he didn't interact with the preacher directly, but saw it on the news, and then the preacher embezzling money from a church. Just a quick, quick question, or you know, talk about that for a minute. You're in a church. I'm a preacher. Do I embezzle money? Uh, we should probably just talk about that. Do I do that? No. Um, but, but I have been part of a church where that's happened. And I have known people who have gone to jail for embezzling money. And uh, so this is something that happens. Restoration Church, we have multiple layers of accountability. So first off, I don't, I don't, write, I don't write checks. If there is a check that has to be written to me, I never sign them. Um, we have a treasurer who's bringing oversight. We have a deacon board who provides oversight. Our, we have a bookkeeper. We have, again, a treasurer. So we have multiple layers, multiple people looking at things, investigating it every month. Now, let me tell you, uh, let me tell you the story uh, of my experience. Um, I was on staff at a church in Fort Worth when I was 20, 21, and uh, before I started here at Restoration Church. And we had this fundraiser. We were near, our church was near the Colonial Golf Course. And so the big PGA tournament that happens at the Colonial every year, um, we would, the youth group would do fundraising uh, and we would, we would um, sell parking spots in the church and then we would shuttle people by vans to the tournament all day. So tons of money, tons of cash flow. Turns out after we left, we discovered the, um, the bookkeeper and one of the uh, staff administrators um, were, I don't remember if they were arrested, but it was discovered every year during that tournament, they were stealing money. When we would bring in the loads of cash, it was like one for you, one for me, one for the youth group. One for you, one for me, one for the youth group. And as a youth group, our fundraiser that weekend was like $20,000. That's how much money we were getting after they were stealing money. It made sense to us why they had such fancy, expensive boots, um, those ladies. <laughs> Just being honest. You know, how did they afford those? Maybe they found them at Goodwill. Maybe they stole money from the church. I don't know. Well, now we know. 
So this is something that happens. It's real. I remember another story uh, when I was in Bible college. I got caught. So there was a whole bunch of rules back then. One of them was you weren't allowed to watch TV. And so I remember uh, um, the RA breaking into my room and discovered me watching The Simpsons on a 17-inch computer, computer monitor. And he ripped me up. Uh, he, I can't believe you do this. I'm so disappointed in you, Nate Gagne. You're, you're a pastor. And I was at the time. This is my senior year of Bible college while I was just started serving in church here at Restoration Church. And um, a year and a half later, he was arrested. He stole over $100,000 from the church he was employed at. And I just thought, Simpsons, $100,000. Investigated by FBI, multiple years in prison. The Simpsons. Anyway, just figured, just figured I'd throw that stuff out there. I wonder if he's been released from prison. I'm going to search him on Facebook. And I'll just, hey man, remember that time I watched The Sims? Remember that? And I'll just post a news link article to him. I mean, we get grace and mercy for people, but I think, anyway, I just throw that out there. I've never said that publicly, but I said it privately a lot of times. Well, during each interaction that the songwriter has, he, he asks them essentially this question, why are you doing this? Why are you selling drugs? Why are you selling your body? Why are you stealing money? And the, 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 each answer is the same, which is the chorus of the song. Oh, there ain't no rest for the wicked. Money don't grow on trees. I've got bills to pay. I've got mouths to feed. Ain't nothing in this world for free. I know I can't slow down. I can't hold back, though you know I wish I could. No, there ain't no rest for the wicked until we close our eyes for good. And it's this big push, like, I don't have a choice. But I've got to do this. And, um, you, you know, if... If you're wicked, there's no rest for you. You have got to continuously hustle, continuously, uh, continuously lie, continuously steal. It is just the life. And if you come from that life, why don't you, why don't you just give an agreement with an old-fashioned amen? Amen. Yeah, that's there. Now, I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1. If you're looking up in your table of contents to try to figure out where the book of Psalms is, it starts with the letter P, so don't let that throw you off. Um, and the Psalms, if you're not familiar with the Bible, the, the Psalms are a book of songs, and the entire Bible is not one singular book, but is 66 different books put under one leather-bound cover or paperback or in one digital format. And the book of Psalms is a book of songs. And every year during our anthem series, we look at one of these songs. Now, in the future, we won't be limited to the Psalms. Eventually, we'll preach through all of them. Uh, but there are other songs in the Bible, and we'll start looking at songs that David sang that are recorded in Scripture, songs that Mary, the mother of Jesus, sang, and different other places where, where they're recorded. But today, Psalm chapter 1. This is the first song, obviously, in, the, in this book of songs. And uh, many people have said to read and understand and memorize Psalm chapter one because it is your entrance into all the other songs in the Bible. That if you can understand Psalm one, then you begin to understand and you can build off 
and understand all the other Psalms in this Bible. As we read Psalm chapter one, we're gonna focus primarily on verses one through three, and we'll read a portion of it, and then we're gonna talk through it. I wanna make sure that you're understanding this scripture, and there's a, there's a, a contrast here that I want you to begin to see. The contrast of the song that Cage Elephant wrote about the life of the wicked, there's no rest for the wicked, and in this first part, Psalm, in verses one through three, it's talking about the life of the righteous. And I want you to begin to see the difference. And maybe you're someone, and, I, and probably I want you to begin to figure out which side are you on. If you're someone who is righteous, you've, Jesus, you've given your life to Jesus, he's saved you, he's forgiven you, he's working your life. I want you to remember back to before you knew him, before you followed him, whether that was two weeks ago or, or 35 years ago, remember that. And if you're somebody who say, well, I don't follow Jesus, I'm not righteous, I'm on the wicked side. I want you to hear the life that Jesus is inviting you into. Because it's an invitation. He is not determined that you are that way, you're gonna stay that way, and he's, he'll never accept you, forgive you, um, uh, or want you. No, he's inviting you into, into this life. So I want you to hear those things. I want you to compare those things as we read. Psalm chapter one, starting at verse number one. The song reads, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. First thing we see here as a difference between the wicked and the righteous is their, the influences they have in their life. It's the first kind of transition that you see. And if you're gonna be someone who's following Jesus, this is something that you've gotta be aware of. If I'm going to finish the race that Jesus has called me to live, if I'm going to follow Jesus every day for the rest of my life, then I've got to pay attention to the decisions the righteous makes, the righteous, righteous people make, and how they live their lives. And I wanna to begin to emulate that and live my life the same. So the difference between the righteous and the wicked right here, one, it, it is their influences. Who do you go to for advice? And this is not, maybe this is not anything you've thought of before. But when something is challenging in your life, do you go to a friend, a coworker, a blog, you go to YouTube, a self-help book, a brother or a sister, a parent? And then you begin to think, if I'm someone who's following Jesus, is the person I'm receiving advice from, are they a follower of Jesus as well? And I don't know that we always think through it that deliberately, because we think what could be harmful about getting advice from someone who doesn't follow Jesus. And, and, and I'm not saying all advice from people who don't follow Jesus is bad advice, but there's a difference between good advice and godly advice. They are not equal. Godly advice that's based on scripture is, um, it, it, I mean, it, it's not on the same playing field, it's not equal. 
And advice that comes from scripture is advice that we can trust, that we can build our lives off of, that does not bring unintended consequences. And there can be good advice that the enemy uses to begin to slowly pull you away from what God has for you. Another portion of the Bible uh, in 1 Kings chapter 12, there's this account that happens where Solomon has died and Rehoboam has just become king. And, he, and he, he receives this request from the northern tribes to reduce the workload and to reduce the taxes. They're, 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 your father has placed a heavy, heavy burden on us. Could you allow us to rest? So he asked them, he says, hey, let me, let me take three days. Let me make a decision. I'll come back to you in three days and I'll give you the decision I went. So he went to two different groups of people for advice. He went to the older men who had worked with his father, and they were his father's counsel. They were the kind of the elders, the, the wise men, the you know, people who had followed God for a long time. He went to them and got their advice, and then he went to his friends and he got their advice. And th- their advice wasn't the same. The elders recommended moderation, give them a break. What they're saying is true. Your father did work them very hard. If you give them this break, they will love you and follow you forever. So he listened, and then he went to his friends. His friends recommended retaliation. Are you going to let them talk about your dad that way? Are you going to let them? Um, uh, you, are you going to let them try to take advantage of you? They're just trying to get it easy. They're trying to live off you. And they said, go back to them. If I were you, I'd go back to them and I'd tell them, you thought it was bad under my dad? I'm gonna leave an imprint on you greater than him and just stick it to them. Well, that sounded great to Rehoboam, which he did. And the advice he took from his friends, what happened is it caused the nation to fracture where it would remain fractured for a long, long time. His kingdom was divided in half. He lost influence. He lost, uh, he, he lost power. But really, more importantly, he lost an opportunity to be a godly leader. Instead, he just lived for himself. When we're going to someone and we're allowing someone to be an influencer in our life, we're going to someone for advice. There's a temptation to say, that's old, that's outdated, that's traditional. I don't want that. What's the new advice? What's the new thing? What's the trendy advice that I can use and that I can live by? Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders, possibly for three reasons, which we'll talk through. And they may be reasons why you would reject Godly advice in your life as well. Godly advice from a parent sometimes is just immediately rejected because it's from a parent. Three reasons why he rejected this. One is pride. Their words, um, they, their words were against his father, against his family, and perhaps he resented that. Someone brings 
godly advice to us. Hey, Pastor Nate, what do you think about this? Hey, mom and dad, what do you think about this? Hey, circle leader, what do you think about this? And they say, well, scripture said, and our response and our pride sometimes is, I shouldn't have to change. I don't think what they're saying is correct. I shouldn't have to change. I shouldn't have to do that. And so we reject it because it involves us. It involves maybe our reputation, our name, and, and we don't want that. Second thing for him is it affected his position. If taxes were to be reduced, then Rehoboam might not be able to live as, as luxurious as he was currently enjoying. The king was pretty cush. And so you could be thinking about that. And for us, we could be thinking about us and we, and, and we could just look at it like, I don't wanna change. I like my life. I like my sin. I like what I'm doing. I don't wanna have to change. It would be hard to change. It would be difficult to change. It might be sadness through change. I don't wanna have to do that. And the third thing for him was his posture. It could be that when he went to the older guys for advice, he was just simply doing it to, to look like he was doing what he was supposed to, knowing he was never gonna take their advice all along. And sometimes for us, we can say, I'll pretend I'm gonna change. But we go, we just go to our parents, and, and we're not really gonna listen to what they're saying. We're just gonna do what we're gonna do anyway. While we were camping this weekend, one of my nephews was there, and, um, and he, he, he's 23, he's full-time job as a helicopter mechanic, and uh, we're driving in the car, and he's, him and my oldest son, who's 12, start arguing, going back and forth about something. I don't remember what, but my, my nephew, who's 23, is giving advice to my son, which is, which is good advice, it's not wrong, and my son's just arguing and fighting it, and, I, and I, while I was driving, I said, I said, uh, Benaya, you need to be able to take and listen to the wisdom from your cousins who are older than you because they'll save you a lot of problems. Like when I told your cousin not to get a loan on that silver Ford Ranger and then he went and did it anyway. It'll save you a lot of problems <laughs> if you were able to listen to advice and take it in. And, and I think my nephew was like, fair enough. <laughs> but I remember that time where, where, he, where, he, where he came and he said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm like, I don't think it's a good, I don't think it's a good investment. I don't think it's a good idea. And uh, like two days later, he sent me a picture. Look at the truck I bought. And I'm like, awesome, looks great. <laughs> um, you know, we're just like, I'm gonna come to advice just because it looks good to get advice, but not because I actually want to take that advice. Hey, Pastor Nate, um, I'm thinking about moving in with my girlfriend. What do you think? Well, what does scripture say? Well, yeah, but, and then later ultimately doing whatever you wanted to anyway. Now, in this story with Rehoboam, what is obviously absent from the leader of God's people? He never prayed. He went to the elders, he went to his friends, he never went to God. I think sometimes we do that deliberately because we know what God's gonna say, 
but we think somehow we can play ignorant with God. Ma, I had no idea God you said that. <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> we can't play ignorant with God. He knows what we know. He knows what he's trying to speak to us through his Holy Spirit. And we can try, you, you, you know, like a 10-year-old boy saying, you meant you wanted me to use soap when I took a shower? I didn't know. No, you knew taking a shower means you use soap. And we try to pretend that we, you know, God, you weren't very clear. Really, I wasn't clear. I have 66 books of that Bible. God, this seemed like a gray area where I could make my own. Uh, no, but you're... Your godly leaders, the people who serve God before you, next to you, alongside of you, they were speaking to this, and you ignored it. We must, when we're getting advice, pray through the advice we receive. Because again, there's a lot of good advice. And here's, here's something that is surprising. Ungodly advice, so by ungodly, I mean like, deliberately against God. Ungodly advice disguises itself as good advice. So good advice can be ungodly, demonic advice. And because it's good advice, we just do it. But if you pray through it, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, allow God's word, the Bible to speak to you, then those deceptions can be discovered, which will save you, which will protect you, which will allow the enemy to um, not to be able to get into where you are. Verse number two. <laughs> uh, it says, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Second thing, there's a difference between the righteous and the wicked. It is their inputs. He talks here. You can leave that verse up for me. It says, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. So break this down for you. Law of the Lord, scripture. It's the Bible. Meditating on it day and night. What is Christian meditation? What is meditating on scripture? It's not what they taught you in uh, in. in health class. I don't know if your health class was as bizarre as mine, but they taught us how to meditate in health class uh, my freshman year uh, here in a local public school. Um, but to meditate on scripture is to take a small portion of the scripture. It could be as small as this verse and to read it, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditate on it day and night. But instead of just reading it as a checklist or just reading past it, you stop on that small portion of scripture and you read it again Slowly and deliberately, making sure that you're understanding what you're, what you're reading. But they, the righteous, I understand that the righteous delight in the law of the Lord. The righteous delight in scripture. They meditate on it day, they meditate on it day and night. So meditating, thinking about it, talking it through, making sure they understand it, and then, and then really trying to understand it. So interesting here that they delight in scripture. And do I delight in Scripture, God? God, help me to delight in Scripture. I see having to read my Bible every day as a, as a 
uh, as a chore. Help me delight in it. How can I delight in it? Would you speak to me through your scripture, God? And it turns into, when you meditate on scripture, you memorize it, it becomes infiltrated in your heart. You begin to pray it. And so now all of a sudden, a verse that you wouldn't have thought anything about, we just read it real quick. Now it's saturating you. It's infiltrating you. It's changing you. And you're able to say it as a prayer throughout the, throughout the day. God, I want to delight in this scripture. Here at lunchtime, I'm meditating. I want to delight in your scripture, God. At nighttime, as you open your Bible before bed, you say, God, help me to delight in your scripture as I read this right now. And that is the act of meditating, not reading it as a checklist, but, but, med- but thinking about it throughout the day, maybe having a portion of scripture that you're thinking through the entire month, reading it every single day, allowing it to infiltrate and change your heart. What are the inputs in your life? For many of us, our major input is entertainment. You have to begin to think through what entertainment you're inputting. And not all, and I, I, would, I would say this same thing as influence. Ungodly entertainment disguises itself as good entertainment. And when you begin to make excuses about what you're watching, and you're like, well, it's a really good story. Well, I only open one eye during the nude scenes. <laughs> you begin to make kind of those excuses about what you're watching. I think you need to stop and pause and say, is this an input I should have in my life? Is it just good entertainment that's just not Christian? So not, I mean, lots of entertainment is fine entertainment. Or is it an ungodly entertainment that has disguised itself? And now, and now I've allowed an access into my heart that's not going to lead me where the scripture is leading me. It comes kind of all kinds of things, you know, blogs, podcasts, fictional books. The challenge is for us when it feels like everybody's watching this, everybody's reading this, everybody's talking about this, except for me. All of a sudden now, because we want to fit in, because we want to join the conversation, because we want to, you know, fear of missing out, we're just like, I'm go- I didn't want to, but now I'm going to, because I want to see what it's all about. And then you end up giving an input into your life that you didn't want to initially. And I think sometimes we need to be brave enough to turn off an input when we recognize this is not good for me. I want to add this. We'll probably talk about this next year in a parenting series, but I thought about this this week. When I was growing up, my Christian parents used to always say, uh, when I say, hey, can I watch this movie? They used to say, I need to watch it first, and, um, which was not bad advice. I began to do that with my kids, but I think something switched to me that clicked in my head this week. I don't say I need to watch it first, though I do um, most of the time. But what I say is, I need to watch it with you. So I'm not gonna let you have this input in your life without me there because I need to make sure that we can have a conversation right away. So when we watch 
uh, like we watched 42, the Jackie Robinson story, I, de deliberately watching it with them. We're gonna have a conversation. They could watch it on their own, and I trust them to watch it on their own, but I wanted to have conversations through that. I don't think we must have paused the movie three or four times. And there's the one scene where the, the one coach and the opposite team is using the N-word like 150 times in that scene. And before the scene starts, we pause. I say, what you're about to see is not okay. What he's about to say is not okay. We don't say this. It's showing us how bad it was at that point to be a black person playing baseball. Watch it. Pause it. Again, guys, we do not say this word. We do not believe this way. The only, and we talk through that hit play again. And that's with just, just entertainment movies, whether it's just a Disney movie, something comes on that's a little bit ungodly. It's a philosophy, it's a mindset. You hit pause and you say, hey, let's talk about this for a moment. This just happened. What do we believe? You know what, we've been watching the Chosen series with the, kid, with the kids. Which is, which, is, which is great. I, I don't think every seven-year-old is able to watch it. There's a couple episodes that we waited a year before we watched it with them, but one of the episodes recently involved the demoniac, a, a man possessed with demons. I talked to the kids before it. Hey, the episode we're about to watch, it's scary. There's a scary part in it. When it was about to happen, hey, the scary part's happening, I want you to pay attention. So I don't necessarily want you covering your eyes or leaving the room because I want you to see something. And it was scary, as goosebumps. Kids are terrifying. But then all of a sudden, Jesus walks on the scene, and the biggest fighter, the strongest fighter amongst his disciples at that point was being choked to death. Jesus walks in, says a couple of words, and the man's set free. Hit pause, or when the episode's over, hit pause, I don't remember, but be able to say, see, I want you to remember how much power Jesus has. All I have to do is say a couple words. Where we fight and wrestle and we can't win, he says a couple words, everything changes. Having those conversations with your kids and you know what, being the main input in their life right now while they have no choice, <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good strategy as well. Last verse here, I'm gonna wrap up because I'm going over time. You guys are gonna start hating me because I keep going over time. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. You're beginning to see now the reward of the righteous life, because the reward initially you don't see. Everybody's loving the show. Everybody's seeing this movie. Everybody's talking about it. I'm an old-fashioned prude. I'm missing out. And everybody's going to this party. Everybody's you know, experiencing these things and I'm not because I follow God. You feel like you're missing out on life, but the reward is coming. The reward is promised and the reward here we see in scripture. Um, if you think about trees along a riverbank, what image does that bring to your mind? For me, I think of peace. I think of rest. I've been able to visit a few amazing rivers in my life. I think about the Cochico and the Salmon Falls and the Merrimack. I'm just kidding. But I've been, <laughs> but even then, there's some pretty amazing, amazing spots. Uh, but I've been able to be alongside some amazing rivers. I'll show you a picture of one here. This is in San Antonio, the Riverwalk. And it, uh, I never, 
I didn't know it was as beautiful as I was. So Michelle and I, we got to ride on one of those boats uh, in between some meetings I was at. And you think about these trees hanging over the river, and this entire thing is like that. Restaurants everywhere, busyness everywhere, but man, you step under those trees and it feels calm, peaceful, restful, even with everything happening. I was able to be on the banks of another river, um, a different part of the world in Israel. This is the Jordan River, which is a lot smaller than you think. Um, it is tiny. It's not very fast. Uh, but again, the trees by the riverbank, you just imagine sitting there and reading a book, uh, taking a nap, um, just listening, praying, meditating on Scripture, being with God. These are, this is the reward. So go, let's go back to the song here for a second. Ain't no rest for the wicked, but for those who follow God, a promise of rest. If you're gonna, if you're gonna go out on your own and reject God, you can do that. He, he lets you do that. But there's no rest for you. You're fighting your own fights. You're fighting your own battles. It is on your own, and if you quit, it's over, it's done. But for the righteous, oh, he fights for you. He cares for you. He prays for you, which I think sometimes we forget. You're not on your own. Psalm 23, verse number two, says he, he lets me rest. He lets me rest in green meadows. You can leave the picture on, I think it, it helps. Better rather than this 1980s school picture background. He, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. The, the, the reward of the righteous says, hey Jesus, I'm gonna lay down right here. You think you can, you think you can watch out for me? Make sure there's not any predators. Make sure I'm not sleeping on a pile of fire ants. Just, can you just take care of me right now? Absolutely, you rest. I'm on watch. I'm caring for you. I think I said this during the, I'll, I'll close with this and then I'll pray. We did our Beyond Blessed series and, and I, one of the weeks I just kind of made a comment in passing before the message that like, hey, when I'm about to preach on marriage series, I'm always aware because, and, and I started recently uh, in the last couple of years, like talking to Michelle ahead of time, like, hey, there's a marriage series coming up. Let's just make sure we've got extra grace for each other because it seems like, uh, for a few years there, if I was going to preach on a Sunday morning, there was going to be a big blowout that Sunday morning. And would, kids, something would happen. I'd become impatient. Just something was going to happen. And then I'd have to get up feeling like a fraud uh, to preach on that. And the money series, what I said was like, hey, we're in this money series. We're in a financial challenge. And I, 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 and I just kind of made it in passing. Well, I, I tell you what, the last month and a half was the hardest uh, hardest uh, months financially for us in our marriage since we were first married. And, uh, uh, and it was just, it was just treacherous. Treacherous, it just seemed like a lot of prayers, like God, we need a miracle. You, you know, all these different things have happened that we didn't plan for. We need, we need a miracle. And the rest is, put that scripture back up for me, Psalm 23 too. It's just the, in the song, 
having to sell yourself, sell drugs, having to steal, having to, you, you know, money don't grow on trees, which is true. But for the follower of Jesus, it was just, God, I don't know when, I don't know how, but I know you will take care of me. So I'm just gonna ask, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna trust, I'm gonna be wise, I'm gonna count every penny, I'm gonna, but I know that you'll come through. the difference. Wicked, this sounds so much fun. It sounds so free. It sounds whatever. It's not free. It's not, I mean, it's fun, but it doesn't have the reward. The reward is it traps you. But the reward for following Jesus, the reward for the righteous, is rest. You close your eyes. I want to pray for you. Jesus, um, There are some here right now who are making a decision to follow you. They've lived the songs. They know the song to be true. And now they want to live your scripture and find you to be true. When we make a decision to follow you, when we make a decision to give you our life, it's not complicated. It's using our mouth to say, Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me be my God. And that prayer, when we give our life to you, you come, you change our hearts, you forgive our sins, you put us into the family of God amongst a hundred thousand other amazing things that you do. But as we studied this morning, the one thing you do is you give us that rest. And we're able to put our head down on our pillow knowing I don't have to fear death. I don't have to fear my bills. I don't have to fear myself because you are with me, oh God. God, I just pray, I just pray for those who are followers of you, but they just realize that their influences, their inputs are not leading them to a reward of righteousness, not leading them to a reward of knowing you it's actually begun to harden their heart. It's actually begun to cause them to compromise. It's actually brought them into some situations and some regrets. I pray they will fully trust you and they will sever some things that will make some changes. God, they will go back to praying to you and asking what you want, searching the scripture, doing what your scripture says, talking to those who follow you and taking their advice, taking godly advice and making decisions based on godly advice. God, that it will lead to this reward, like trees planted along the riverbank. Like trees planted along the riverbank will bear fruit, will enjoy your peace and your beauty, will be able to enter your rest. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you guys stand to your feet? When we end service, we'd like to just take a minute and, and sing, taking this time for you to pray about the things God's speaking to you about. And uh, so let's sing together. <laughs>